You are so wonderful to me. You are so wonderful to me. You're everything that I hope for. You're everything that I need. You are, you are so wonderful to me. Welcome first time listeners and returners to the Sports Deli where everyone deserves a seat at the table. And with that being said, we're so honored on this 21st day of Raspberry, Blackberry, and Blueberry Month, the late Robin Williams' birthday, to welcome the pride of Brinkley, Arkansas, former Harlem Globetrotter, Herb Flight Time Lang. In case you were wondering, like I was, Brinkley, Arkansas is exactly one hour and four minutes from both Little Rock, Arkansas, and Memphis, Tennessee. He's traveled to nearly 90 countries several times and all 50 states as a member of the Harlem Globetrotters for 18 years. Interestingly, he wore the late famous Globetrotter, my favorite, Curly Neal's number 22 for the first seven years of his career, one of the last to do so before it was retired during a ceremony in Madison Square Garden in 2008. His grandmother taught him the meaning of his famous hashtag, as you can see on his long sleeve hoodie, for those of you watching on YouTube, kindness is free. He shook hands with Bill Clinton in middle school. He has five sisters and three brothers. He's been on the amazing race, not once, not twice, but three times, finishing in fourth, second, and sixth, respectfully, clearly creating the best alliances in 2011 during season 18. He recently did a TED Talk. He appeared on Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader? He learned so much from his dad, a preacher. He met Pope Francis. He's an author of the book Projects, Popes, and Presidents, which he'll talk about later. And speaking of presidents, he met number 44, President Barack Obama, twice. He was born the same day as Austin Rivers and the same year as the late Chadwick Boseman. He always found the silver lining in any adversity he's faced and asked himself, what can I learn from this, especially during the hard times? And his mission now, since he left his life as a globetrotter in 2017, is to inspire others and pay it forward to make the world a better place for everyone. You can find him on Instagram and Twitter at D.A. Trotter, just like it sounds, with the number four at the end of it, at D.A. Trotter 4, and at HerBlang.com. Man, first Harlem Globetrotter in the sports deli where everyone deserves a seat at the table, especially someone that can spin the ball on their finger for a very long time. Her welcome to the sports deli, bro. Hey, thanks a lot, man. I appreciate that that beautiful intro, all those things that you said. You know, a lot of times when I hear the intros, I'm like, man, that, that's me? Is he talking about me? I had a chance to do all those uh, all Man. of those pretty, you know, cool things. And most importantly, I also think about the people who helped me get those opportunities, you know, because without them, none of these things would be possible. And they, a lot of times they get to live vicariously through uh, the things that I, that I get to do. And at the same time, I get to inspire them, let them know that they can do it too, if they really, really, really put their minds to it, whatever that may be. Yeah, representation obviously is really important. You know, my introduction to Arkansas was really back in 1994, you know, 40 Minutes of Hell, you know, Nolan Richardson, um, you know, was the head coach, didn't believe in watching film. He was going to dictate tempo and they were going to do what they were going to do. And you had to adjust to him, you know, Corliss Williamson, Scotty Thurman. Uh, so you talked about the influences in your life and, and helping you to see the world that the way that you see it now, you know, from a very young age. So talk about what it was like you know, to be in Brinkley growing up and, and how that, you know, helped you see the world the way you did and, and why you're living your life the way you are now. 
Yeah, growing up in a small town is always interesting. I mean, it's growing up anywhere you have a story, but growing up in my small town, uh, there was people who had success, but there was a lot of people who didn't have success, whatever that looked like. Fortunately, when you're in communities like that, as they say back in the day, it takes uh, a whole group or a village to raise uh, good kids or good human beings. And that's kind of what happened uh, to me. It took a combination of teachers, grandparents, aunts, uncles to inspire me, uh, you know, to see that anything is possible. And, you know, a as a result of that, people like my high school basketball coach, for example, who was my coach from seventh grade all the way through 12th grade, he wow. saw something in me uh, in, in seventh grade. And, you know, he would tell me stories because his son and I were best friends. We were in the same grade and we both played basketball, we played football. So if he was going to a football game, a high school football game, I was going with them. If they were going to Little Rock or Memphis that you mentioned, uh, they would come out and pick me up, you know, and just take me under their wing, which was very important for the simple fact that although I had a lot of people in my life uh, that helped influence me and my father, he wasn't really around. And that's not because he was a bad person. He just lived in mm -hmm. uh, Dallas, Texas, and we would go there during the summers. But during that time when he wasn't able to be there, it was kind of like my high school basketball coach was the person who had, you know, he'd already been coaching for over 20 something years in our school. And I remember him telling me something about seventh grade. He said, uh, Lang is what he used to call me. He said, um, Lang Bang. He said, there's a lot of athletes that have come over the years that have never made it over that next step. And that's because of, of, of grades and being uncoachable. So for mm -hmm. me, I learned early on that it's important to be able to sit back and, and, and take criticism, you know, gather information, process information, and don't take everything personal. And like I tell these young people today, when, when you have coaches, parent, parents, grandparents, uh, even ministers, whoever it is that's uh, influential person in your life, they're, they're not really out there, you know, to tear you down. And one thing I've noticed is that a lot of these people, they just want to be a part of the success story. They want to be a part of your mm -hmm. ESPN 30 for 30. They want to say that I had something to do with, you know, the level of success that, that Mike or that, that Herb was able to achieve. Was he black? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. He was. He was, he was black. black man. Yeah. And he's still alive. He is. We, wow. we actually text back and forth uh, today. One of the things that I do and I, I really enjoy doing is finding people who have have impacted me, you know, who have made an impact in my life. And I like to tell them, thank you. I've had a chance to do that uh, to a couple of people just over the past couple of weeks. One of my first Globe Charter coaches, I was able to see him at the uh, Vegas Summer League at the National Basketball Retired Players association meeting and it was the first time I had seen him my first coach in probably 15 years and at that time I had a chance to tell him which I think caught him off guard right before we left the event I said hey man I just wanted to tell you thank you mm. you know because it weren't for you I don't know if I could have played uh, for 18 years and then just two days ago I had a chance to talk to one of the referees uh, who was with the organization for a good 20 years and the thing that I remembered about him and what made me want to reach out to him, and which I reached out to one of my teammates to get his number, is the fact that when I first joined, when I first made the team, uh, we had training camp up in Prescott, Arizona. We were based out of Phoenix, Arizona. And I just remember on the way to the airport, because as the referee, they do a lot of uh, jobs. They're not just the referee. They do laundry. They drive the, you know, the team bus sometimes. They have to, you know, get guys up in the morning. So they, ha they have a full... A thing, a full plate. Of, of Hear all the booze. Hear all the booze, <laughs> all of that good stuff. But get the water. <laughs> get the water thrown at you. But he told me uh, on our way back to the airport after that first training camp that I remember him telling me, he said, just keep on doing what you're doing. 
and you'll be around here for a long time. And so I had a chance to thank him two days ago because that stuck with me. I'll never forget that he said that. I don't know if he remember, uh, remember telling me that, but I just want wow. to let people know why they're alive, that I appreciate them. And I tell my coach, my mm. basketball coach, my former football coach, they're in my email uh, chain, my yeah. text messaging chain every day, inspiring them the way that they inspired me when I was young. So that's kind of my way of giving back and making sure that they know why they're alive, what they did made an mm. impact and what I'm going to do and what I'm doing right now their their legacy will live forever man that's fascinating you know for a second i forgot you were a globetrotter i was so immersed <laughs> in your childhood that i was just like you know in the first the, one of the first questions that i thought about was he had to have been living just before he coached you in the civil rights era so looking back on it do you think that he was guiding you in a way that the civil rights era impacted him to make sure that history didn't repeat itself yeah, I think I think that you're absolutely right in saying that he he was he was a person who, again, I mean, now he's probably close to 80 years old. He was all about education. He's a, a man in my town who had a master's degree, you know, wow. an educated person who's been through, you know, but like you say, the civil rights movement. He's seen all this stuff. He's man. seen what's what's possible, you know, through sports. And he showed me through sports and through grades, most importantly, yeah. through grades. And he would say. You know, a lot of these guys don't make it because they don't make the grade. And as a result of that, myself, his son, mm. and other of my former teammates, we not only competed in sports, we also competed uh, in the classroom in math and English and science. And Amazing. what that led to was out of 60 people graduating in our class, three of us had basketball scholarships, three of mm. us had football scholarships. I was president of the class. I graduated with, you know, honors top 10% as well as my best friend and two other guys. This is something that kind of landed in ninth grade because he told the story, hey, these grades are gonna follow you around for the rest of your life. And he was right. You know, those, yeah. those grades that I was able to achieve, they put me in a position to where even if I didn't play basketball in any particular sport, I still had scholarship offers just off of academics. And that's, you know, super important. And having that sound educational background of knowing that you're dealing with a person who's been a leader, who's been a president, and even moving before graduating from college and moving into the Globe Charters, the Globe Charters people who ran the organization they had a little bit more respect for the guys who actually graduated. You know, we we downplay education uh, a little bit more so these days than we have in the past. There's different ways to educate, which I do agree on, mm -hmm. but there is a certain level of respect that comes along with uh with people who hire because they see it as a person who's committed to something they can start something and they actually follow through with it and they finish right. and, and it's a big deal so i just would love to encourage uh you know young people old to even if it's not in education if you start something and you're passionate about it and you know there's going to be uh benefits for not only yourself but others down the road go for it don't quit you know keep it going uh, it's all about being consistent and once you're consistent with something you'll get all the benefits that you need like for example me with my kindness is free movement this probably i've been kind all my life and if you look into uh, to the Globe Charters programs and stuff. And being kind doesn't mean I'm perfect. I have my, I get upset. I've, you know, done things that I'm not proud of, but my intentions are always good. I always have other people's, you know, intentions at hand as well. And as I think back to my career, I always wrote in the Globe Charters book when it would ask my motto was patience and kindness, patience and kindness, patience and kindness. Everything that's happened in my life has been as a result of people being kind for me to me. Uh, people stepping up and speaking for me and, and creating opportunities for myself. But that also goes along with the way that you carry yourself. Mm -hmm. uh, 
graduating from high school or leaving high school, I didn't have a lot of schools that were recruiting me. And it took somebody from my hometown who was already playing Division One basketball at Centenary College, two years older than me, friends of our family, to step up and say, hey, Centenary, you guys need to look at this guy. He's not being heavily recruited, but he's passed the, the ACT test. He's honor society. He's class president. Mm. And what happened with that is they gave me a basketball scholarship without even coming to see me play. You know, Amazing. a Division One basketball scholarship without even coming to see me play. I recall the phone call uh, when they offered me and I was like, yeah, I'm coming. You don't even have to bring no recruiting <laughs> visit. You know, they're like, no, Man. no, no, we're, we're going to bring you on a recruiting visit. I was like, really, you don't have to. My first time being there, I used to be <laughs> actually driving up there. But just everything, man, even wow. my opportunity with the Globe Charters, I was, I had, I had finished, uh, I won the dunk contest in 98 at the Final Four uh, in San Antonio. And you and Kobe. I had a yeah, I had a pretty good uh, college career. And. And a lot of people thought that I was NBA material, but during that year that I finished, NBA had a big lockout. They didn't start mm -hmm. the season until like February of 99. Right. So for me, what that what that laid out in front of me was I had opportunities to go overseas and play for $50,000, $60,000 or something like that. Mm -hmm. Or I could go back to school and finish my degree. I decided to go back and finish my degree. I student taught at uh, one of the biggest high schools in uh, Shreveport, Louisiana, Southwood, where Terry Bradshaw right. went to school at. And... What that led to was me as a personal trainer for 10 months and a roommate mm. who was a soccer player at my college who became my, one of my best friends through college. Mm. He went to a globe charter game, a little five foot seven Asian guy who played soccer, went to a globe charter game wow. and went up to one of the coaches after the game, one of the people he, he thought were in charge and said, hey, man, what do you what do you have to do to be a globe charter? What is the qualification? And I just remember him telling me, so they looked at me kind of crazy because I'm a five foot seven Asian guy, but I had to quickly left to know that wasn't for me it was, you know it was for for his friend which was myself who had just won uh the college dunk contest a year before and that resulted in me sending a video in wow uh, and within a day of them getting the video it was march i remember when i sent the video they said hey we're gonna put you down for our training camp later on this summer mike i forgot i forgot all about the training camp i forgot about it and then one day they called wow. me in august and said hey uh remember we said we talked about the training camp well, it's happening in three days. Are you able to come? And I had to immediately tell my boss at the time that, wow. look, I appreciate this opportunity, but what's about to happen is I'm about to make this team so you can go ahead and hire somebody <laughs> else for this position. And again, it was, again, kindness. Somebody who believed right. in me more Man. than I believed in myself. Somebody who gets to be a part of uh, my story as I'm telling it right now. I mean, I could go on and on from my opportunities on Amazing Race. It was just people believing in me an acting opportunity that I just got uh, four months ago that came out of nowhere, called me up. I, I wouldn't even audition and, and got this opportunity just by the way I've been able to carry myself. And again, I'm not a perfect person. I have my pitfalls and struggles every day, but I do strive and I do try to make sure that if you come into contact with me or in my presence, I try to make sure that you say, man, I really enjoyed that time or that moment with him. So uh, you went to Centenary and then, and then uh, so what happened at that training camp? How, how did that go? Was there other players there? Were you intimidated? Like, <laughs> what was, you know, a normal basketball trial, you know, you're coming off curls, you're shooting a mid range, you know, maybe some threes, like, but like, did they see if you could spin the ball? <laughs> like, what, what, what was the trial like? <laughs> the trial when I first joined the Globe Trial, see what back in 99, when I joined the team, Manny Jackson was the current owner of the team, who was a former Globe Trial. He had purchased the team, I think, in 93. 
94 when the Globe Trials went bankrupt. And uh, his idea is that he wanted the Globe Trials to play competition basketball, to be as good as any NBA team, kind of the same vision that uh, Abe Saperstein and the other two preceded him had. So when I went to training camp, I remember the first couple of days, there was about 20 guys in training camp. No, no veteran players were there the first couple of days. Hmm. These are just guys that are, you know, college, former college players, uh, even former NBA players uh, coming to try out. And after the first day, uh, second day, actually, they cut 10 people. So wait, what former teams, NBA players were there? <laughs> oh man. Dur during my, during my first year, after they yeah. bought some of the veterans in, I mean, I had speaking of the Razorbacks, Oliver Miller, Todd Day. The I was big O? Wow. I was in training camp with these guys. Man, Todd Day was one of the best shooters I've ever seen to this day. Funniest, funny, fun guy. And, and the Todd Day story, I had a life, a life-size Todd Day poster from the Arkansas Democrat Gazette hanging in my room as a I kid, bet. man. you know, and to be there at training camp with, you know, with them after success <laughs> wow. that they've had, you know, professionally and yeah. on those levels. I mean, I had a chance to play with a lot of in Cedric Sabalas. Uh, played with us in the, in the 2000s. Great um, DJ. Jamario. Oh, man, he's still mixing. He does a he lot. He almost of died, too. During COVID. And yeah. He, and, and he did the amazing race. Yeah. Marion. Yeah. Crazy. But, man, <laughs> great, great guy. And, and when yeah. you talk about the DJ, and it reminds me that when he first joined the team, it was, of course, on the back end of his NBA career. But mm -hmm. he he loved his time with the Globe Trials. We just talked about this. Uh, he and I just two weeks ago at the uh, Vegas Summer League, how much he enjoyed it, how mm. much he embraced it, and how much it hurt him when he got cut, just like the rest man, of Man, that's crazy. You know, and I'm like, man, I'd never heard him give that perspective in two weeks ago. I never meant, mm. knew that him being a Globetrotter meant that much to him. I'm like, man, he's an NBA. He could care less about being a Globetrotter. But he began to share with one of my former teammates who had never met him his experience, that this experience wow. that we had together. He's like, man. I started doing the hook shot. I started getting on the microphone. He used to play our music in the locker room when you talk about DJing. Like he embraced being a globetrotter. He embraced the NBA, but he embraced the moment that he was in. And he, right. you know, still to this day, he has great memories of being a globetrotter. And Man, if you, he, if you go, yeah. yeah. No, yeah, I'm sure he's got great memories, but that's a great story. I was going to say, he's one of the toughest guys I've ever watched play, man. Like you do not mess with said. Like he would D up. Ooh. He athletic. Athletic. Yep. Man, I've been trying to get him on the show for a while. He always responds to some of my comments, but uh, that would be fun to have you co-host with me and get set on. That would be. I'll I'll, uh, I'll I'll send him a text message and see what he says about. See he knows he, he knows who I am. I, I made a lot okay. of comments, you know, about some of his okay. stuff. But but I, you know, I've had a lot of his buddies on KJ and and uh, and and um, Lon, you know, Jelani McCoy and, mm -hmm. you know, Ray Young, you know, all the guys that he's tight with, Steve Lavin. Ray Young. Ray Young played at UCLA, right? Yep. Ray Young, um, he was at training camp with me my rookie year. Seriously? Yeah. Ray Young. I didn't know that when I interviewed him. That's crazy. Wow. I missed that. Ray Young was <laughs> one of the guys that was in training camp my first year. He's doing big things with all the smoke and, and you know, um, all those guys, Baron yeah, Davis, yes. all those guys are doing big things right now. Yeah. I, that, that made me think I, I I thought about Ray Young recently so I, I get to reach out to him as well thanks for he's a good dude yeah. yeah that's funny that we're talking about that and he was just you know he was at training camp that's my crazy first year. Yeah. so you so you make that team that first year I made the team the first year and Man. that's when uh, I got the nickname 
uh, you know, flight time. And the, the coolest part was after, after making the team. So one of the crazy things that happened was there was, when you're at training camp, you have a roommate. And after practice, they would tell us, when you get back to the hotel, stick by the phone for about 10 to 15 minutes. Don't go to lunch yet because they'll be making phone calls. And those phone calls are that you about to get cut calls right. typically. And so I, I just have this fond memory of this guy and I still remember his name and I haven't seen him to this day. The phone rang and it was our legendary coach, Tex Harrison. And he says, um, well, first of all, when the phone's ringing, we're both nervous. We're looking at each other like, no, you get it. No, you get it. I ain't getting it. So I pick Lord. up the phone. I pick up the phone like, um, in my best Tex Harrison voice. Can I speak to Anthony McCutcheons? And I remember looking at, hey, dog, this for you. And I gave him the phone and I got oh, up and went, and went to, uh, I went to lunch. Right. And yeah, he got cut. And I remember wow. him telling me that, you know, they told him that, you know, they appreciate him coming out. Um, oh. Maybe there was an opportunity down the road, but he said they offered him an opportunity to play on the opposition team, which is the Washington Generals. Generals, yeah. He, he actually turned that down, but I just remember that's when I knew I made the team. They had windled it down to eight players that they were going to keep first year, and they brought in about 20 other veterans in the next day. Wow. And that was the chance when I had to uh, meet people like Sweet Lou Dunbar, Curly Man. B. Johnson, uh, Osborne Lockhart, Michael Wildthing Wilson, the Guinness Book of World Record holder, um, just guys that I'd been University of Memphis. I've been watching Mike Wilson at Memphis for years. Right. So to be, yeah. And before I know it, we're competing in the dunk contest together at the end. <laughs> training camp and we're you know we're roommates and hanging out and I'm going to see him in Memphis in the offseason so it, it, it's it's just but what was your best me, dunk though <laughs> well my best dunk typically I mean back then it was a 360 and oh, I tell people right. now I tell people now you know I won the dunk contest in 98 I look at the dunk contest three years ago and I see guys going between the legs and I'm like man I never even thought about that stuff and I and, and I tell people I'm not a person that sit back and say well, you know, back in my day, it was this. Right, no, right. These guys are bigger, faster, stronger. I have no doubt about it. Right. And 18 years with the Globe Trotters, it was the same thing. Every four years, I saw a different athlete mentally, physically, and emotionally, which I thought was cool because it, it allowed me to be able to adjust, mm -hmm. uh, to be able to be relative to people who were younger than me. Yeah. And I appreciate it. And I took all the information and knowledge uh, that I could with them and shared with them. But every four years, just like, I don't know, I was telling my wife, I said, I don't know who came up with that, that science of it, but every four years, like ninth grade through 12th grade, college, right. freshman year, it's a different human being that you, that you get to meet. And That's true. I, I embrace it. And, um, you know, even today watching sports, watching the game the way it is now, I have nothing bad to say about it, except if I was playing, I'd be playing the same way. That's all I have to say. <laughs> well, the, the thing that I find fascinating besides Steph Curry being uh, relevant off the court as much as he is on the court, if not more, is he stretches the floor. I just thought about this yesterday. I mean, I remember during the finals, uh, Clay Thompson set a back screen 45 feet from the basket near half court, slipped it, a back screen near half court for Steph Curry, and they were honoring it. And he slips it. And they were trying to pressure the hell out of Draymond, didn't work. And he hit him on a back door from 40 feet away. But the fact that you were guarding Steph right when he crossed half court and that that back screen actually worked in that moment, like that's just, that's how some players, you know, have respect now, like 40 feet from the basket, it's unreal. You can't play pack line D or, you know, <laughs> can't do it. 
Well, well, the court's 94 feet, and finally, the entire court is in play. And I noticed this, Mike. I noticed this with speaking of Steph Curry. I noticed uh, the first time when uh, when Cleveland played uh, Golden State in the finals. And I was watching the game. I was paying attention. I was watching how hard it was for LeBron to get to the basket. Right. And how easy it was for Steph Curry to get to the basket. And the reason is because he could shoot and the court so wide, he shot crazy. You got to respect the shooters out there. He's getting yeah. wide open layups. And I'm like, <laughs> crazy. LeBron can't get these layups because he can't yeah. shoot like him. Not to say that, he, you know, uh, Steph's a better player, but he definitely revolutionized the game in a way like nobody, no human no individual player has maybe a team like the Globetrotters have, but as far as the individual on such a big stage, he, he, he made the court 94 feet. Don't before let him. Then it was about, before then it was about 68 feet because you pick up at the right. three point line. And then now if you pay attention, you see the WNBA, they got the four point shot in there, right? Us Globetrotters, we started that four point shot, uh, actually put it into the game. I'm not saying we innovated, but our owner at the time back in 2007, not our owner, our president, Right. Kirk Snyder, he was the person who said, all right, we're going to put it in the game. People had talked about it, but we actually started to put the spots down on the floor. And now as you look at it, uh, that four point shot is about 35 feet away from the basket and guys are making it with, with regularity and young ladies are making it within regularity. So with all the pushback and, and things that's going on, I'm just enjoying the evolution of a game that's been good to me and enjoying watching young people, you know, thrive and get so much out of it as well. And people like us who are fans now, the joy that we get, you know, from watching it and even remembering how it used to be played. And like you say, man, we used to, you know, we pick up a half court. Now you have to honor a 40, a screen 40 feet away uh, from the hoop. Crazy. I mean, uh, if Steph wins another one without KD next year, I probably would select, if you asked me, who would you start a team with? MJ would be first, you know, obviously Kareem's in that conversation, magic, but I might jump. Steph over Kobe and LeBron if he wins another title next year without KD with a similar team that he has now. I got to be honest with you. And I wouldn't have said that before last year. I was listening to uh, Kendrick Perkins and he kind of said the same thing. And they jumped all down his, his throat. He's like, yeah, I think right now I would take, if I had to start a team even over Kobe, I would take Steph Curry over Kobe Bryant. And, and I'm a Kobe, Kobe was Bryant selfish. He was selfish. I, I'm, a, I'm, a Kobe, I'm a Kobe Bryant fan, uh, fan in the sense that I appreciated him more when he won those championships after Shaq left, but also the fact that what I said about Kobe is he was a clone of Michael Jordan. I won't say he's better than Michael Jordan, but Michael Jordan gave him the blueprint. Right. And so Kobe was able to do the things that Michael had done earlier. He was able to work on the fadeaway jump shot in his yeah. early 20s as opposed to Michael Jordan when he got 33, 35. That's when he started shooting fadeaway yeah. when he wasn't jumping as high. So, you know, fundamentally, he got an advantage in that, but like the 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 instinct that michael jordan had i don't think there's a lot of people uh that can it's a, a question that we all argue to this yeah. day between him lebron and the people that other people seen during their generation and it's all generation so you know you're from the south and, and you went to a lot of places every state in the united states and then overseas and you know this is a big part of the show and one of the things that i talked about on uh, tiktok today was with regards to Aaliyah boston uh, being snubbed from espn's invite of the espies yesterday even though they later invited her but you know somewhat insulting at that point but uh, I just wanted to find out from your experience you know did you not only when you were growing up but did you face any of that uh, overseas or you know with the Globetrotters and and how did you handle it how did the 
you know, organization, I guess it's an organization, you know, how did the club handle it? You know, when, when you faced any of those types of things or any of your teammates, are you saying like, as far as like racism or discrimination, yeah, or anything like yeah, that, anything like that, any systemic issues that maybe you face? Oh man, absolutely. Growing up in, in small town, Arkansas, and a lot of people don't really like when I talk about this, but there was, there well, I was, love when you talk about it because it keeps the conversation was, going. Yeah, yeah. There was definitely segregation in my town. There was, there were wow. swimming pools in our town that in the eighties, we knew that we couldn't go. You know, I learned how to swim in Dallas, Texas at my dad's, you know, um, there were skating rinks, at least one that we couldn't go to. And I would hear uh, my students, uh, my classmates, you know, fourth, fifth grade or whatever. Oh yeah, we're going to the skating rink. It's Friday night. We knew that we couldn't go. I just saw a story. Rink. Yeah. I just saw a story where uh, some people of color don't quote me on the era, but it was either fifties or sixties, probably sixties. They went into a hotel pool to protest and the manager of the hotel poured acid in the pool. Yeah. And they said that they expected some pushback, but they didn't expect acid, you know, and that's some of the things that you had to face back then. It's unreal. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the thing. Even I never, I, we played, I played little league baseball. My uncle, um, he, we were like the bad news bears. We <laughs> ra rallied up some gloves, some baseballs, you know, threw some sand down in, in the dirt in front of the old uh, Marion Anderson black school in our hometown while a lot of my friends who I went to kindergarten all the way up to seventh and high school with, I remember in kindergarten and first grade looking into the newspaper and seeing, you know, my friends on the baseball team playing at this beautiful baseball field that was at a Greenlee uh, Park, so to speak, where we all should have been able to play, where eventually it did happen, but right. it used to break my heart. I remember as a seven, eight-year-old, when I would look in those papers and I would see those uniforms, you know, IGA, Walmart, uh, dollar store and there was none mm -hmm. of us in those photos and I always wondered why I was like man I wonder if I could hit the ball over that fence I see mm -hmm. my best friend who's a white kid in kindergarten you know I see that he's hit two home runs in you know in the game and it's in the newspaper but for us we had to go wow. 25 miles up the road in Mariana Arkansas just to get come they would even play against us wow that's amazing you're a little bit but, younger than me so that's incredible yeah. wow yeah but but it was just we didn't raise a lot of hell we just kind of you know went along with it which now i see that that wasn't really the way to go i mean i'm not saying raise a lot of hell but for me those experiences and they taught me a lot you know they taught me even with this facebook groups and stuff now it taught me that a lot of these young people they weren't even unaware because i mentioned to some of my former classmates over the past couple of decades and a couple of them like, yeah, man, now that I think about it, you guys were never there. Like they never even realized, even mm -hmm. until adulthood, that the friends that they went to school with didn't play little league baseball with them, were not at the swimming pool with them, mm -hmm. did not go skating with them on Friday nights. But again, that just made me realize, especially when I would go to Dallas, Texas in the summers, and I would see kids of color, Mexican, right. Chinese, Asian, all swimming together at the recreation center together, playing rec uh, little league baseball together. So I knew that, that it wasn't right. And so that's the way I, I've kind of mm -hmm. lived my life. It doesn't matter who you are and I'm not holding you responsible for what your parents did, but if you're still holding on to those same right. things, I have a problem with it. When I hear people make complaints about, oh, well, my dad used to say this. Well, you know, maybe your dad wasn't right. Your parents weren't always right. I take some of the values <laughs> and stuff that they taught me and I tell people, I take a little bit of the good from every person that I met 
and what's being created through the universe is me, what I consider a superhuman. I feel like I can do anything. I am a little bit of everybody. I'm a little bit of the good within everybody. And that's, yeah. that's what it that. is. Well, so we see good and create a superhuman. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, we all steal, right? So, you know, as long as you're stealing the good things and making it into your authentic self, that's what's really important. And, you know, we see a lot of fan involvement and a lot of the current players have commented on it. And obviously there's people that go way over the line and you don't really associate that with the Globetrotters, but, but did people go over the line either with what we're talking about now or in other ways? And, and, uh, did it make you take a step back or look at things differently? Uh, as far as with the Globetrotters, you know, over the course of my career, I saw a lot of guys get let go that I felt like they didn't deserve, you know, to be let go in the way that they let go. And people often ask me, even with the Globetrotters, you think it was racism involved in it? I'd say there was a little bit of racism in some of the stuff that, that wow. happened. But at the end of the day. Are most of the players African-American, though? I'm confused. Okay. The, but there's people within the organization. There's mascots. There's trainers. There's gotcha. road managers. So. People that got let go, they let some of those white people go just as bad as they let go of some of the other people. So at the end of the day, it wasn't mm -hmm. always about racism. It wasn't a mm -hmm. race thing. I think it was a bottom line uh, thing at the end of the day, tied in with a little bit of racism. But one thing about the Globetrotters is that we were accepted in places where other people weren't. We were the team that were able to break down barriers, uh, which leads me to let you know that I was able to, uh, to, to play a role in a movie that's coming up called uh, Sweetwater. It's the story of the Nate Sweetwater Clifton, wow. the first African-American to sign a NBA contract. And one of the enlightening things about this experience for me was, Mike, that after having played 18 years from 99 to 2017 and then having five years off, uh, searching, trying to figure out what my next step was and uh, just being creative and, and showing gratitude during that process and continue to grow, being able to play for 18 years and then being able to go back, uh, we filmed from from early May through mid-June, about six weeks, being able to go back and live in this movie that was basically shot in the settings of the 40s and 50s, to read the scripts, to have lines and hear what their visions were and to have already lived them, craziest thing ever. And also being able to go back in time and incorporate lines that I thought would be appropriate moving forward. So I'm putting lines in 1949 and 50s that weren't there that are going to make an impact in 2022 because I've already lived it. I've seen their vision and a lot of the stuff has come to fruition, but there's a lot of it that I get to make and we get to make actually come into even bigger fruition the way that these guys visioned back in the 40s and 50s. And that's through discrimination, eliminate discrimination, treating people fairly. Uh, Globe charters were some of the teams, the first people to stay in some of these hotels that they didn't let people in, you know? So it's, it's just been an honor, man, to, to have been a part of such a strategic organization uh, through the good and the bad at the end of the day, like, man, the experiences that we have, the people whose lives that we had an opportunity to touch, and even now, uh, 90 countries, my mission now is to go back and touch and, and impact as many people that, I, that have helped me along the way. 90 countries I've survived. I've been in nightclubs, I've been in bars, I've been in a bunch of uncompromising positions, and people looked out for me. And so I just want people to realize that, hey, we're all humans. Give the person next to you an opportunity before we judge because we're all human beings having a life experience and we don't all have to agree. Yeah, that's fascinating. Um, so I, you probably don't know this, but we had, unless you really vetted me, you know, we had Dr. Richard Labchick on the show uh, and he's one of the most influential 
people in all of sports. His dad was Joe Labchick. He was Sweetwater's coach, and he was the one that signed Sweetwater, right, for the New York Knicks. The yes, first African American. Yes. Yep, the first African American ever to be signed in the NBA. He's in the movie. He has I, it's he's he's featured in the movie, Lapchick. Man, that's yeah. amazing. He was on our show, ladies and gentlemen. Ned Irish. Uh, oh wow. The Knicks, the, the Knicks and Madison Square Garden back in the day. He's featured right. in the show. I mean, it was just when is it coming out? Uh well, when we 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 wrapped it mid-June, and I think okay. that uh they're they're hoping and we're hoping uh sometime February next year, maybe I was gonna say six months, yeah. All star all-star break, maybe after that, sometime. Mm. One of the cool things about it is that, you know, speaking with the uh, with the uh, director, a lot of times having a lot of good conversations over the course of filming is that, you know, the commissioner was OK with it. Adam Silver was like, OK, let's do it. Let's make a movie. And wow. it's going to be a great movie that's going to really, um, I think, move the needle and let some of these younger players realize that, you know, the Globetrotters really had an impact on what you guys are doing today. And it's not just for that uh, reason. It also, for me, my vision is that when I was filming for that six weeks, there was never a day where I felt out of place. And mm. a lot of those producers and co-producers were like, man, are you sure you guys have never been in movies before? They were surprised that me and Kevin Daly, who were the actual real Globetrotters out of the six, who mm. actually played, that we were good on film. And I had to explain to them. I said, look, I played for 18 years in stages all right. across the world. I get up at six o'clock in the morning sometimes a week in a row going into news stations i know where the cameras are i know how to react we all do mm -hmm. what happens is when our career end we go home and you never hear from us again because as athletes we're used to people having done stuff for us do this be right. here at this time and when that's going away if you're not able to find that again guys you disappear but my goal is and my intention moving forward is that opportunities like this will become more available um for ambassadors of goodwill, people who have seen the world from a different point of view, unlike any other person, who have walked streets that people can't even imagine. And it's not just about me, it's about everybody. And these guys have stories, they have visions that will impact and change this world. Man, that's that's incredible. Um, do you wanna talk about uh, either mental health or you know, being a, a strong man of color? You know, how representation matters when it comes to what you saw after uh, George was unalived in 2020 and and uh, what we're you know living in now which is a lot of divisiveness and you know a lot of misinformation disinformation which is probably the most frustrating part of it all you know like you said earlier you can disagree and agree to disagree but you know when there's misinformation and there's unwritten, unwritten rules in sports but when you cross some of those unwritten lines you know, that's when things get a little bit foggy and it feels really uncomfortable. And that's what I feel like we're living in now is, is we've gone a little bit too far, probably on both sides. And so I don't know if you want to speak on any of that, because um, obviously, you know, your mission is to, like you already talked about, kindness is free and, you know, staying in that lane. Um, and really, as I've said earlier in the show in the beginning, you know, it is a white issue. And that's my biggest frustration with uh, white professional athletes is they don't step up like the Tom Brady's and the Peyton Manning's and the Eli Manning's and the Aaron Rodgers's and, you know, uh, all of them. Not, not yeah. one of them has spoken, you know, uh, Tony Kyle Romo. Corver. There are some Kyle Corvers. No, exactly. Kyle Corver does and J.J. Reddick does. Yep, J.J. Reddick, those are two guys. That and Rex Chapman. Shout, shout out to ooh, Rex Chapman, one of my heroes growing up as a kid, man. He was the 
Kentucky. Part of my yeah. principal, he was one of the coldest white guys I've seen coming up back in the 80s, man. I was like, Rex Chapman, he could shoot, he could dunk, he, he could do everything with such swag. And I enjoy his stuff too. I follow, um, you know, right. But those are the three white guys that you could combine their uh, white allyship and they don't have remotely close to the impact that a Tom Brady could or a Peyton, you know, any of the football quarterbacks. And so that's yeah. been my biggest issue, my biggest criticism. And I just had a conversation with a former WNBA player who's a good friend of mine today. She, you know, and I talked about how Aaliyah Boston didn't get invited to the ESPYs. And she said, well, you're comparing apples and oranges. I said, nope. When a person of color is murdered or they finish their day delivering on DoorDash and then they get murdered in their own living room or there's nonviolent offenses that they're getting uh, chased down in their house and getting the shit beat out of them, uh, which happened a couple of days ago, you know, these are the issues that all white people should stand up for, and it shouldn't take another George for people to speak out and continue the conversation. So that's sort of my angle to this narrative. And so that's where I get most frustrated is Tom Brady. I went through every single one of his Instagram and Twitter posts. He's posted three times all over a year ago with regards to systemic racism uh, and white privilege. And so I just think it's a complete disappointment to say the least that he and all those guys have not done more in that white space to educate, mobilize, and speak out when things like yesterday happened, especially with black women. Well, and just to tap on that a little bit, I mean, I love your passion about that. Sometimes there's, not to say that Tom Brady, but there's some people you don't want to take the lead on something. You know what I'm saying? Um, but yeah, to have a voice and stand up for the people who are, contributing to your success like directly like working next to you it would be nice to have more people to stand up and, and lend their voice but when it comes to like when you talk about mental health for me my degree is in health and physical education mm -hmm. and I've had this conversation with several people I don't remember at one point at all during college or high school where anybody talked about mental health right the thing that I knew about mental health was oh like it was you had what was it schizophrenia you're crazy and you need to go see a shrink. And this was something that was frowned upon, especially in you know the African-American community, so to speak. And for me, when my globe trotter career ended, when I got that phone call unexpectedly after 18 years, you know, when I'm thinking I'm about to get my next assignment, it it caught me off guard. You know, I had just, you know, done three seasons of the amazing race. I was a player coach. I had just come back from Europe promoting shows and out of nowhere I get a phone call saying hey your time is up we're going in another direction over the phone mm. after 18 years it wow. sent me into a dark place for a couple of days but what happened after that after two days I came out of feeling sorry for myself and I emailed every person that I could think of in that office who contributed to my success wow. and let them know that I Amazing. appreciated I was lucky enough to hold that position for 18 years and now someone else would be able to hold it but at the same time, mentally, I wasn't prepared. I wasn't offered any counseling. I wasn't offered any uh, leads on job opportunities on the way out. It was just like, thank you. We appreciate what you did. We're going to give you a little bit of this right here. Wow. And, and good luck. Um, so different layers to mental health, obviously, right? It could be chemical. It could be your situation where as an athlete, you're transitioning out. And so this is the thing you mentioned earlier about education, right? That education is, is so antiquated, right? We should be teaching financial literacy. We should be teaching mental health, you know, coping skills, you know, having better tools in our toolbox. And so you bring up a great point about that. So go ahead, finish the story. 
to be a health and physical education major and never be taught about mental health is crazy. I have a a bachelor's degree in health and physical education. And the only thing I can remember from mental health is like schizophrenia nervosa nervosa or whatever they called it. And you're crazy. Anorexia nervosa and you're crazy. And for me, the thing that helped me the most after that, I got that phone call was counseling. And that counseling came in the Mm. form of talking to former teammates, actually Mm. going to speak to a counselor about my, you know, situation. It took me going to leadership for like three months and realizing my value and my worth again, because man, the embarrassment of, you know, getting fired after 18 years and having to answer the questions and, you know, the town, the team, oh, they're in Louisville this week. Your friends from Louisville. Hey man, can you give me tickets? Oh, I'm not with the team anymore. Oh, what happened? Yeah. Yeah. That's something that we typically have to deal with for a couple of years, but the blessing in it was the willingness and realization that it's okay to go get help it's okay to have conversations to let people know that you're doing not okay because other people are kind of going through the same thing and i love the fact that people are able to now become more open and authentic in the things that they're dealing with because it's making other people realize that you know this person flight time or michael whoever that you see living this perfect like life every day i have my struggles too i have mornings when i don't feel like getting up i have nights when i find myself sitting there crying and just wondering why you know, things are a certain wow. way and trying to figure out a way that I can do something to help other people. Uh, and I go and talk to, to young kids at school. I talk to them about meditating. I'm like, man, I wish I knew about the power of meditation mm, when I was man. playing sports. I just started meditating two years ago. The things I've been able to create over the past two or three years mm. through 10 minutes of meditation every morning. I mean, this shirt that I have on, this logo on my shoulder, the visions that I have for documentaries and acting and uh, the basketball clinics, my foundation, all of these ideas came to me through meditation. It's not that I didn't dream or whatever when I was younger, but to actually sit down and hold that space and know that you're about to create something magical, which could be just simply a great day that you created. But the ideas that come through this getting in touch with yourself and perspective and realizing that what's going on around you is bigger than you you know, and you have the ability to impact people in the simplest of way. And I know my way is through kindness, through speaking to people, saying hello, entertaining them, letting them know it's going to be okay, inspiring, motivating, showing them, you know, everyday consistency. I'm getting up working. I'm putting this out in my social media, the text message that I send. Consistency. This is my mind exercise. And as a result of promoting and being that same person over the course of time, I'm kindness is free. And so anytime somebody thinks of something kind, I'm getting text messages. I'm getting Facebook. They're sending me pictures of people's cars. They're, they're sending me quotes. They're sending me videos of people doing love nice it. things. And I'm like, man, I, it took a lot of work for me to, to get to that point. And I can't right. stop now, even to the point to where I can walk around a group of people who know me. If their conversation is a negative conversation, I can hear that conversation switch before I get there. And that's cool as hell. <laughs> right. You I know? love that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's fun. We got a lot in common from our seventh grade uh, coaches to you know, meditating. I've, I've been meditating longer than you. And recently I've been doing a lot of yoga at uh, the beach in La Jolla here in San Diego. So I, you know, I have my clients in the summer as a professional basketball skills trainer, but beforehand, I'm just sitting 30 feet up from the ocean doing yoga live on TikTok, and people have been tapping in. And, you know, like you said, since George, I've been pouring in to anything and everything. And that has changed my vibration significantly to uh, have a greater sense of clarity for not only myself, but, you know, and who's come into my path, you know, since then. So it's really interesting when you change your vibration and your energy, 
like what actually happens. Like you said, your TED talk, which we'll talk about in a second, right? You doing this movie came out of nowhere, so to speak, but you created it, right? You've been yeah, creating this, yeah. this change in your vibration energetically. And that's when the magic happens. Like you talked about, man, fascinating stuff. So you, Good so stuff. you're afraid, you're afraid to, you know, pursue life after, you know, you're not a part of the globe trotters anymore. And then, you know, there's a lot of things that happened after that, but, but tell everyone about what the Ted talk was like, man. Cause that's, you know, I had Wally green on here. He's the table tennis player who went to North Korea as a, you know, representative for the United States and hugged a North Korean table tennis player <laughs> after it was all said and done and the crowd and, you know, and he was on the show and, and he talks about exactly what you talk about. And he had a Ted talk and just, I listened to it yesterday and it was, you know, it was just amazing. So tell everyone about that experience. I mean, that just, cause you gotta be, you gotta, you got you got a time limit. Like you gotta, you gotta stick to it, right? There's parameters. So, so Mike, the way I got my TED talk is the same way I got my basketball scholarship, the Man. way that I got on the amazing race, the wow. way that it, it happened through a LinkedIn contact. When I, when I left, when I left the globe charters in 2017, um, I had visions of, of, of speaking on, on big stages. Of course, I've already spoken on stages with the globe charters. That's what we did. Elementary schools, businesses. Mm -hmm. It was just a matter of me honing my message. That was for me now, not the message that they had given me to say over these years, which helped me prepare. But the Ted talk thing happened through connection. There was a young lady, I'll, I'll name drop her name's Amanda Banks. And I call her the believer and she calls herself the believer. She believes in people. Mm -hmm. We had been going back and forth a couple of times and uh, she told me that she was doing a TED talk and I was like, man, wow. In 2018, when I went to um, 2019, when I went to Burbank to pitch my sports game show idea to Bertram Van Monster, the creator of The Amazing Race, when I was in his office, his, uh, his financial person talked to me a little bit about my vision and he mentioned TED talk. I had never heard of a TED talk before. Mm -hmm. So I put that on my mind. I'm going to do one of these because I started to look at them. I started to watch them where he told me. You know, watch a few here and there and get a feel for it. I made it my mission to get a TED Talk. I didn't ask Amanda if she knew anybody that would be able to give me a TED Talk. After our conversation, she said, you know what? I'm doing a TED Talk April 30th, and I know the person who's putting it on. I think you would be great for it. I'm going to connect you with him. She connected me with that person the next day. He said, when we spoke, he said, Herb, we've only been talking for 10 minutes, and I'm going to offer you this spot. There was a person that just a spot that just came available and it's yours. And he said, I'm gonna give you the weekend to think about it. And for me, I already knew it. I wanted to do it. This <laughs> right, Thursday. just like your scholarship. Not, you ain't have to think about nothing. <laughs> think about it. I was like, well, all right, let me not seem too desperate. But, you know, by the end of the night, I sent him a message and I said, yeah, man, I'm down for it. And the thing about my TED man. Talk is that preparation as an athlete, you know how to prepare. They had these sessions where apparently before I got on the list where they were meeting for I hour here and there telling how to, you should do it, how to prepare for it. I had one guy, one guy, his name is Bruce Pulver, and he has a TED Talk um, dealing with words, careful with the words that you use, Bruce Pulver. Mm -hmm. We had a call on Zoom for about 30 minutes, and he went through what he thought that I should be able to do or should, how I should go about my TED mm -hmm. Talk, and that's how I prepared. And I prepared one that I did at home by myself, nonstop, which I will post someday. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, because yeah, I, I listened one. to your TED Talk. It was great. Yeah. So they make you do a practice one before that. Like they want to see. Like, oh, and submit it. Before. Oh, wow. yeah. What are you doing? You know, 
Right. And I sent it in. They didn't say anything. So at that point, it was all good. But just to be able to be on that stage and realize Man. that it's one of the top speaking stages in the world and the nerves that come Man. along with it, like you have 15 to 18 minutes to have a conversation, you know, to share an idea. That's the premises right. of the TED Talk. I have an idea. The idea that I would like to share with you is this. Kindness is free. And let me tell you why kindness is free. Because I'm on this stage because someone is kind was kind to me. And moving forward, we talk about the, the, the acting. Again, preparation. My former teammate, Kevin Special K. Daly. This, this is social media again. He sees me posting, me working out on my tonal. He sees me working, uh, running. He sees me active. He sees I'm physically in shape. On top of that, we played together for 10 years. He's a showman. I'm a dribbler. Curly Neil metal art. You know, Larry <laughs> Curly and Mo. It's right. like peanut butter and jelly. So he got the role for, for uh, Goose Tatum in the Sweetwater movie back in, I think it was 2014 when he first left the Globetrotters. The movie was supposed to happen then. It didn't happen. It got shut down. The movie wow. got greenlit six, five, six months ago, and the producer kept the same people he had in the role. There was two or three guys that already had that he wanted to be in the role, and they wanted to bring in a couple actors. And Special K told the producer, he said, I need at least one former Globetrotter, real Globetrotter, that can actually help me put this together with the choreography on the court wow. and just teaching these actors what it's like, what it was like to be a Globetrotter. Right. And he said, I know, and I knew that that you are ready because I've been watching you every day on social media. I know you've been working out. I know that you're physically fit. Wow. And that's how it happened. I just stayed Man. ready. And I kept wondering, I said, why am I working out so hard? What is happening? What is about to happen for me? And when it happened, I didn't have to get in shape because I was already in shape. Man, that's and amazing. there was not one day that I walked on that, that set and felt out of place. I feel like I'm just as good as any actor, right. you know, that's on. I mean, we got Jeremy Pivens. We got uh, Rich, uh, R Richard Richard uh, that's been on, um, uh, Coach Carter. Um, I mean, right. just a host of, of famous people. Eric Roberts, Julia Roberts' brother, uh, has, a, has a role in the movie. Richard Dreyfus is in the movie. One of like, my favorites, yeah. Right. That's crazy. I mean, these people, Kevin Pollock, you know, <laughs> these people are people that I, you know, I've watched their movies growing up and to be in the same space with them and to learn from them, but at the same time, know that, hey, he's human, I'm human, and I'm just as capable of doing what he's doing as any other person. And you are too. When I say, I'm not saying that to be arrogant, but it made me realize that I'm capable. My daughter's capable. My son's capable. All of my teammates are capable of doing what I'm doing right now. And I want to make sure that I do everything I can to do a great job. So that when these opportunities come up, they be like, Herb was a global try to he do it with help. Showbiz could probably do it too. Well, Sweet Pea, he could, Wild Thing could probably <laughs> play that role. I My vision is to see and have more and more globe trotters showing up in the public on motion television and just spreading goodwill the way that we did when we were on the court. Just because that uniform is not on anymore don't mean that that person died. We're still good right. people with a lot of information to share with the world. And that's what a lot of us do in our communities. We give back uh, the best way that we can with the resources that we have. Well, it teaches people to care about the person, not just the Globetrotter, which is really important because they may like the Globetrotter, but you know they have other issues in their own mind and you know, getting to know someone that doesn't look like them or talk like them or grew up in the same way that they did. That's how you break down these walls. And so that's one way to break it down is to everyone loves the Globetrotters. And then that starts the conversation. And then who knows, maybe you find some middle ground with someone that you may not have found middle ground with before because of that. 
the conversations that are going to be had when this movie comes out, you just wait. Like oh, man. the thing about it, like I told you, being able to go back and, and live in that time and have traveled and heard how people feel about the globe charters. I, I texted the uh, producer and I said, I don't think you know what you created. You mm-hmm. want to talk about some barbershop talk, some shop talk. <laughs> everybody has a globe charter memory. Every, right. I mean, not to say everybody, yeah. but half the people. Of our era, you, yeah. 80, 80% of the people that I, seven out of eight people, if I say I played with the globe charters, they have a story. It may not be an arena. It could be at a hotel. It could be, you know, I met one at a nightclub. I met one at a church. I met one at the arena. You know, everybody has like some, and it's usually it's a great story. It's a, yep. about a good experience that they had. And, and it's just, it's, it's unprecedented and it's cool that it's been able to sustain for such a long period of time, coming up on a hundred years in 2020. So I think it's 95 years right now of Man. joy, entertainment, bringing smiles to people's faces and to be a part of an organization like that and to have developed the friendships. And I mean, let's be yeah. real. If I hadn't played from the Global Trials, there's probably a good chance that we wouldn't be talking to each other right now. So I'm grateful for that. And that's why it's important for me. And, and remembering Curly Neal, mm. he was one of my favorites. He would always come out on the road. Whenever he came out, he would check on us. How are you guys doing? Wow. Are they taking care of you? You know, he wanted to make sure that things were better for us than they were when he were there. And as me, for myself, as a former Globe Charter who played for almost 20 years and done three seasons of The Amazing Race, you know, all the stuff that you mentioned, I know the impact that I'm able to have. And it's important for me to make sure that not only the guys that are there now, but the guys who came before me right. and the guys who will be there after me will have a better experience than I had. And it's just, I'll give you another example. I am on the now. National Basketball Retired Players Association Membership and Benefits Committee. We serve over 1,500 NBA players, a couple oh, yeah. hundred WNBA players, uh, ABA players, well. and, former, mm-hmm. and former Globe Charters. I was elected. Yep. I've been a member of the organization for five years wow. since I retired, but I was recently selected to be a part of this committee. And for me, it's an mm-hmm. honor to be able to be able to try to create ideas and, and things that can help these former athletes. Wow. You know, not only Globe Charters, but guys that I grew up watching you know, to be, that some of them are struggling, you know, and some of us are struggling, but to know that I have an opportunity to impact them and help them and come up with ideas that can make their lives better, not a better feeling. Mike Sweetney was one of those guys. He was on the show, former Georgetown Hoya, and his story is incredible. He was on the show. He talked about it. He was in the same draft as LeBron James. He almost sold mm-hmm. his pension and someone talked him out of it. That's how desperate he was and, you know, almost near homeless uh, before you know right when COVID hit and you know we stepped up in the sports deli and helped him out but there I'm sure you've heard stories like that too professional athletes losing all their money you know financial literacy was never taught they just you know put their faith in the hands of their financial advisors and their agents and a lot of them lost everything I think that's the story that a lot of us I mean I've lost money too I mean I've I've taken some some risks that haven't paid off but I've taken a lot of that that's paying off for me like I'm betting on myself but right you know it, it's when that happens it's important that you have somebody there to pick you up I mean even the experience that I had at the uh, summer league uh, meeting that we had just hearing some of those stories I'm like man I wouldn't trade my 18 year career for three years of that guy's NBA career but still at the same time I need to go uplift that guy I need to let him know that he is who he is because I know him and the people where he played that know who he knows who he is. So I want to let him know that I I'm doing what I'm doing as a former globe charter. So there is a whole lot more that you can do as well. So it's just, you know, it's just really cool. Yeah. That's amazing. Okay. Let's get to some of the rapid fire. 
Okay, so first question, you mentioned the Amazing Race a number of times. Uh, so that used to be my, my favorite, like, um, you know, interactive reality show. I mean, I watch it religiously. And so what was your... <laughs> right. So, so what was your favorite, like, challenge? Like, out of all three seasons, like, which one, like, or what country was, like, man, I can't believe I'm going here. Oh, the roadblocks, just the... <laughs> I'll tell, so I'll tell you my favorite country and I'll tell you my least favorite challenge, the one I had the most difficulty with. Okay. My favorite country was Australia because I'd never been there before. And all the Globetrotters oh. that preceded me say that that's the favorite country that they've ever been to. Man. Super laid back people, easy going, love basketball. Yeah. And New Zealand. My college roommate, he oh, actually wow. went to play basketball in New Zealand in 99. He's been there since, married with kids. So I had a wow. chance to go and perform and go to my college roommate's house, wow. meet his kids and his family and realize that the people in that town called him a legend. They were more <sighs> impressed that, oh, you were roommates with the legend Link, his name's Link <laughs> Abrams, than wow. the fact that I was, you know, with the globe charter. So being That's able crazy. to travel over to um, to Australia on the Amazing Race and then later on as the globe charter was one of the coolest things. My least favorite was, uh, I think it was season two. We had a tea challenge in India where myself and Luke, Luke, uh, Luke and Margie, Luke was a deaf um, kid and his mom was his, his partner. I remember that. We were yes. in, in India and we had a challenge. There was a Snapple challenge, which we didn't realize. We tasted tea in the country before we got to India. Little did we think that there would be something that come up. Wow. There was a thousand cups of tea on this table and we had to recognize the one that we tasted <laughs> before. And I hadn't even, I'm like, man, this is, why do they got, why do they have us stopping drinking this tea? I was good, but you know, whatever. And the deal was you had to drink the whole cup, take it up to the guy and say it was the right one. It was a Snapple tea. The rest of the teas were regular India tea, but we never knew that. Wow. Once I went through three or 400 cups of tea, me and Luke were the last two people there. I'm talking about throwing up, projectile vomiting, oh and my God. stuff that I won't even mention on this show right now was <laughs> happening to us to the point where they're like, all right, you don't have to drink the whole thing anymore just sip it if you think that's the right one take we're just guessing it all right is this it nope but when i got it i tasted it it was so different from the rest it was a snapple tea like you go to the grocery store and, and that's what it was it was not your regular non-sweetened dry oh tea oh my god but but then again one of the things they say is you know read the clue pay attention to every detail right. there was a guy run uh, who was on it with his daughter he got it in like the second one Oh, I recognize this tea. And he took it right <laughs> up there. I'm like, are you kidding me? He's done already. And here I am there three hours later. Man. Like, oh my God. But yeah, that was that was crazy. So did you ever overcome any like fears of anything in any of the three races that you were like afraid of heights or anything like that? Where not nah, nothing. You're just you love it was a great experience though, the travel, everything. I, I loved it. I'm not afraid of heights at all. Man. I, I've jumped off the stratosphere here in Vegas seven times. I'm ready to go skydiving to a point about it. got a nice skydiving thing. I'm ready to do that. Man. Uh, I'm, I'm actually here in Orlando uh, for my goddaughter's uh, basketball tournament. Right. And come to find out, lady sitting behind me, she didn't know how she recognized me from Amazing Race and her daughter plays on my goddaughter's <laughs> team. They're from Texas. And she was like, I know who you are. My daughter and I, we've been watching, she, she's 14, 15. We've been watching. She said, my friend Eric, she said, he never told us that you were his friend. Like, she's like, I'm, we're straight fangirl. And then after the game was over with her daughter plays with my goddaughter, she was the same way. She was like, wow, like it's 
I forgot how many people actually watched that show back then and even now. And she said that they watch it still not re religiously as a Man. family because one of the things that was cool after we did the show is when families would come up after the, the game and say to Big Easy and I, thank you guys because what you guys put on tape is a show that we can actually sit down as a family and watch together. You guys run it with, with grace, with mm -hmm. kindness, but with intensity wanting to win, but it's fun to watch. Wow. And there's nothing better than that after a game to hear a family say, For sure. you're what we can watch on TV. You're the reason why we're here. Curly Neal, Metal Arc Lemon, when I was a kid, I went to see them. And that's the reason why they're here as well. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So, all right. All right. A few more questions. That's amazing. Oh, my goodness. One of my favorite shows of all time, for sure. Um, so did you prefer dancing with the little kids or uh, talking a little smack with uh, the Washington General? I, I enjoyed dancing with the little kids and I talked smack yeah. with the Washington Generals outside, <laughs> outside of the arena. Because one of the cool things about that is that a lot of those guys are still my friends today. You wow. know, so they travel with us from city to city. We party in the same nightclubs. We eat breakfast at the same places. We check on each other. It's a brotherhood wow. all the way around. You know, there was a time when they didn't stay at the same hotels and whatnot, but now that's even changed, which I'm really, really uh, happy about because I always felt like those guys made a lot of big sacrifices in order for us to look good. And it takes a lot of pride and dignity to do something for the betterment of another uh, organization or human being. And those guys are and Man. always have been amazing human beings who know what it's all about taking sacrifice, like taking one for the team every night all around the world. And there were some pretty girls in the stands too now. You're taking, <laughs> look, I'm gonna leave you tickets for this game. We're gonna, we might probably are gonna lose, but I'm gonna, <laughs> you know, like imagine. And some good players. Great players, guys who have actually transferred over, you know, to become Globetrotters. So did music impact you uh, growing up? Oh, yeah. I love music. I mean, I wanted to be Michael Jackson when I was growing up. I love dancing. Wow. Mm. Um, wanted to be Michael Jackson, Prince, all of that. I had the Michael Jackson jacket with all the zippers on it. Uh, I would have got some high heels like Prince, but my mama, she wasn't going for that. <laughs> <laughs> when That's I was growing classic. up, I was like, man, I'm going to get me a girlfriend just like Prince. Her name going to be Apollonia. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! So if you're in your car right now by yourself, what what are you singing? Oh, I'm a I'm an R&B guy. A lot of John Legend. Okay. Oh, uh, wow. When I'm rapping though, when I'm rapping, Roddy Rich is wow. my guy. Well, who's I your favorite Roddy old Rich. school rapper though? Oh, old school rapper. Let's see. Like Big Daddy probably, or Eric B and Rakim? No, they didn't speak no, to you. It, it would probably be a group. Uh, growing up in Arkansas, like you said, one hour and four minutes between Memphis and Little Rock. A lot of uh, uh, eight ball and MJG. Oh, wow. Yeah, A-Ball, MJG, yep. Project Pat, those guys, uh, Triple Six Mafia, those right. people that I kind of grew up watching because I spent a lot of time in Memphis. I have a lot of family over there. People from Memphis love Memphis, and they love whatever it is about Memphis, and they're going to give it to you. So I kind of adapted Memphis and Little Rock. Those are my second homes. I was a Memphis Tiger fan growing up, and I was an Arkansas mm. Razorback fan growing up. I rooted for Penny Hardaway, Elliot right. Perry. I remember they used to Man. play against – uh, Louisville with Lavelle Joe Perry Simmons and never, never nervous Purvis. Right. I mean, Keith Lee even back now. I go way back. I remember those guys introduced me to the game of basketball. Back in the Street and Smith days. Uh, so who do you prefer as an announcer? Bill Walton. Well, Steve Lavin will not be announcing anymore as he's the new head men's basketball coach right down the street here at the University of San Diego. But, nice. So Bill, Bill Walton or Dick Vitale? Oh, man. So I just <laughs> met I just met Bill Walton at the uh, – 
uh, Legends Conference. I mean, we were together all weekend. We had a few good conversations. We're on the bus together on the way to That's the cool. games. So cool. I used to love when him and Snapper Jones used to go. Oh, my it. God. But I would have to go with Dick Vitale because <laughs> Dick Vitale is one of my all-time favorites. And he's the person who called the night I won the college dunk contest. Wow. It's crazy. There's if a you little go back, if you. Go, you. Wow. If you go back and play the, the video, it's on YouTube. There's a three-minute version and a four-minute version. Wow. Remember Dick Vitale doing the call. And I remember winning and playing it back. It's like, He's a PT peer. He's going to be the big man on <laughs> campus. Look out, centenary. Like, it oh, was a man. dream come true. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah he, I got to go with Dickie V. Yeah, he's been battling cancer. Gave a great speech last night at the ESPYs. Uh, and I've known Bill a long time. Bill, Bill used to ask me to come downtown to Muni, where the Clippers used to uh, hold their training camp and practice facility and have me work out future NBA players by feeding them in the post. And obviously, I used to work UCLA's camp, so I, I've known Bill a long time. I've been trying to get him on the show forever. Say he keeps saying yes, but he's reinvented himself. So he's so he's busier now than he's ever been. You know, with right, his right. you know social media. I mean, he is he's a he's a rock star right now. Okay, a couple more questions. Uh, Kenny, Shaq, Ernie, or Chuck on Inside the NBA on TNT? Shaq, Shaq's my all-time favorite athlete. Oh wow, you know, I've, I've had a chance to meet him a lot of times, and he's the most down to earth, realistic person I've ever met as an athlete. I've met him a couple of times and I don't think he knows who I am. Maybe he does, but he acts like he knows me every time I see him. And I wow. think he gives that to every person. He makes you feel like for me and people I've seen him be around and some of the experiences that I've shared in conversations, he makes everybody feel comfortable around him. So I, I, I really enjoy him. I haven't met uh, Charles Barkley. I, I met Kenny Smith uh, one time at a yeah. fundraising event after a hurricane Katrina in Houston, but Shaq, Shaq's my favorite, man. He's come to uh, uh, the Trotter games. He's been to a few of those. I remember uh, even in Denver one time, I think he was playing. I'm not sure who he was playing with, but I remember him coming into our locker room, like straight up joking around, wrestling around. With <laughs> like, man, you better get your big old butt up out of here. hurt somebody. But man, Shaq. Shaq is the man. Okay, so if you could have any three people at your dinner table, past or present, dead or alive, but you've never met them before. Who would be at your dinner table? Dared or alive, past or present that I've never met before. Um, I would go with, I would go with, um, man, I've never met Bill Gates. I've always kind of wanted to meet him. Interesting. Um, yeah. I mean, back in the day. Actually, I would love to meet Kanye West. Wow. I would love to meet him and have a conversation with, uh, with that guy. And man. Um, I know it seems like it's a, a, a lot of, famous or whatever rich people but i would have to go with this elon musk guy as well i got to invite him to the table and see where his mind is at i want to i want to explore these one percent thinking type minds and see where they're you know i kind of know where it comes from because i feel like i have a lot of it in me there's a right. lot of being misunderstood that comes along with you know these responsibilities or whatnot but yeah those are the three guys off the top of my head without thinking about it that i would invite to my table who'll be the first female at your table the first female, well, man, I'm going to say this is probably kind of crazy right now. I got to get Brittany at the table when she gets back. I got to have a conversation oh, uh, with her about the experience that she's been through, because I can only imagine uh, what she's going through and the strength that it's taken, you know, for her to get through this. Not that she's going to get through it. She's going to get through yeah. it. Um, but yeah, man, I'd love to have a conversation with her about uh, this experience and the thoughts that she, you know, formulated over this time. I imagine she feels a lot of abandonment, a lot of you know, or country giving up on her, a country who she's done so much for and representing in the Olympics. But yeah, it'd be pretty, pretty cool to meet her. And I'd like to meet 
um, some people may not like this, Hillary Clinton. I mean, I'm from Arkansas. So as a female mm -hmm. who I thought, you know, might be the first president or whatever, I, I would love to meet her. She's brilliant. I don't care what Oprah, anybody says. Oprah, Oprah I'm still too. going. Oprah, Oprah raised me. Well, now you're even three, three males and three females. So <laughs> you, you made everybody happy on that. What's the, what's the biggest uh, key to your marriage? And, and what's the best part about being a, a dad, girl dad and a boy dad? The, the best thing about being, uh, about being married for me is I got married February 22nd, 2022. My wife and I, we've been together first time uh, for five years. And it's the first time I ever got married. You know, wow. I've never done it before. Uh, I'm learning that it, it takes a lot of sacrifice, a lot of work, but it's worth it. The things that I've been able to wow. create with her, um, even working out, like she inspires me. I was telling her today, you inspire me to, to work out. When I left the Globe Trials, I was 220. I'm 185 now. Wow. I dunked, I dunked yesterday for the first time on a 10-foot goal gonna, off the ground. I was going to ask you that. <laughs> for the first time it, since I was 39 or 40. And I've been wow. working toward it. And it's because with, with her, when I first met her, she, she was consistent working out every day. She's watching the food that she put in her body. Me as an athlete, like, we're on the road. I'm eating whatever. I'm working out. So right. I don't have to worry about that. But at the same time, it's taking a horrible toll on my body, the bad foods that I'm putting in. Right. So over the course of the last five years, this woman has inspired me. She's inspired wow. me to think outside the box, think different, think as an owner, uh, not Man. as a person who wants to work for people. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's been really cool. And, and with my son and my daughter, my son, he's a, a really great athlete, plays three sports up in upstate New York, baseball, wow. football, basketball. He's already visited uh, in football, not officially. He's visited uh, West Point Army. They recruit them, wow. Colgate, Cornell. Nice. And the thing about it is my son's supposed to be a sophomore, but he'll be a senior this year. He's supposed to be getting ready to be a junior. He'll be 17 in December, oh, but we yeah. started him early. So yeah. he's, he's national honor society just as uh, right wow. before school uh, ended. And just like his dad, super involved in the community. And the best reward that I get when I go up to Endicott to visit him is the conversation that I have with people about the kid that he is. Mm. And that makes me proud. And my daughter, she just turned 15 on the seventh. She's, actor dancer singer she's wow. student got elected to student council Man. um you know so she's a leader she we have had some really great conversations over the past six months about her ideas and things that she wants to impact in the world and she's a lot like Man. me in, in that sense um, she's not playing sports or anything like that but she right. she dances and she actually told me that she's interested in playing basketball now she's wow. a 10th grader and i'm saying hey it's not too late you're athletic she's 5'10 and so, yeah, we'll, we'll probably get some basketball going on. With Where's that. your home base? Well, I live, uh, my, my wife, my wife is a tax professional. So we live in Sacramento where the brick and mortar business is. We live Got there you. from, from Christmas till about April, but we just built the house on a HG, HGTV's 100 day dream home season two, uh, with Brian and Mika, we built in Ruskin, Florida and Brian, who was on amazing race. He's wow. my neighbor. He built at the end of season two on the lake across the street. Uh, away from me so I can see his house from my house so we've been there for about a year and a half now but again it's those relationships remember man Brian, Brian, wow. Brian and I have been friends since 2009 man you know that's but yeah I, I gave him a call one day I told my wife when we were watching the show season one I said if I call him or text him he'll he'll he's gonna do this for us and I sent him a text message after one of the episodes he said let's do it you wow. know just like that you know of course we had to go through all of the you know you got to get financing and get your money right, right and all that kind of stuff but he was like let's do it and not only wow. did he do it 
he built it in the same neighborhood as his. Man, that is incredible. Fascinating hey. stuff, man. <laughs> I was out fishing yesterday on my back back of my house and he just stopped by. So, I mean, friends wow. like that stopping by, he's telling me, oh, we, we just started filming season four. And, you know, just to have those connections and be in right. that space, it not only forces you, but allows you to think different. Like, all right, now that we're in competition, but he's successful. So that's who I'm running with. So what is he doing? You know, and he's asking right. me the same thing about the movie, man, that must've been a great opportunity. So we're in the same space kind of sharing you know, Man. like, like-minded ideas. And I'm asking him, what else do you want to create, Brian? I think we could do something together, you know? So yeah, man, it, it's, it's, it's cool. That's Life's been good. I can't complain. I'm blessed and I count Ooh. them every day and I, I take no, nothing for granted. That's awesome. Do you want to say anything about your book uh, or anything else before I let you go? Yeah. I'm, I mean, definitely. I mean, I want to encourage people to please go check out the Ted talk. Uh, yep. title kindness is free. Um, mm-hmm. I actually wrote a book called projects, popes and presidents. Uh, uh, after my globe charter career, and that helped me tremendously get through a lot of the struggles that I was able to, you know, I had been through. Just put it down on paper and getting it out of my system. Uh, Project Post and Presidents, and also during the pandemic in 2020, I was able to co-author uh, Volume Four of Jim Rich Cracking the Rich Code, and that features Kevin Harrington. Um, Tony Robbins did a forward on that one. I saw that. And yep. yeah, just to just to be able to. Man, as LeBron say, be more of an athlete. I see your uh, shirt says speak up and dribble as opposed to shut up and dribble. Yeah, right. I'm more than I am more than an athlete, as they say. Athletics and being a globetrotter will get me in the door. But once you get me in that door, you're going to feel like a whole bunch of layers that you probably didn't imagine yeah. uh, that I had. So let's go. Yeah, man, I just want to encourage people to just, you know, be kind to the person next to you. Spread well, the word. Kindness is free. Kindness is free. And, uh, you know, you're doing stuff for yourself to be the best version of yourself every day, but you're paying it forward and doing whatever you can to, you know, be a representative of so many different layers uh, for your own people, for things in society. Um, And uh, the best is maybe yet to come. Who knows? I mean, there's the best is for sure yet to come. I promise you that I'm only hey, as I tell people, I'm just warming up. I'm just getting loose. That's what I'm talking about. Layup line, ladies and gentlemen. All right. Hey, much love. And anything I can ever do, that's, like I said, that's been my mission. I don't make a dime on these podcasts. I don't make a dime on my TikTok. I'm just pouring in, showing love and doing anything I can to either be an influencer or a connector of a connector. And that's, that's what I, that's what I care to do most more than anything in the world. So, but let's stay in touch and and anything I can do for you. If you got any ideas, let me know and you can come back and co-host anytime. It's open invitation. All right. I appreciate it, man. And if anybody's looking for a motivational speaker, hit me up. I'm the man for the job. Yeah, definitely. Not, I, got I know you. the man. All right. That's right. All right. Much love, Herb. All right. We'll talk All right, soon. Thanks a lot, Mike. Enjoy. All right. Yep. Absolutely. Have a good day. All right. You Kindness too. is free. Absolutely. Man, that was fascinating. Herb Flight Time Lang, ladies and gentlemen, here in the Sports Deli. So, you know, every podcast is a little bit different. I just love the conversations. And I was being genuine when I said in the beginning, I forgot that he was even a globetrotter. We were just, you know, shooting the shit, talking about his upbringing. And, uh, you know, for those of you that have listened before, you know that everybody that's come on the show has a different perspective on their upbringing. And I always am interested to hear how they got to where they are, uh, especially people of color growing up in that era that he grew up in and his seventh grade coach and his family and how they influenced him. And man, uh, and he's giving back in so many ways. So I, I definitely felt his energy and his love 
uh man learned a lot from him today and i hope you enjoyed it thanks for joining us boy that was phenomenal great job and much love to everyone remember black lives matter stop the bullying stop the asian hate contact your local and state politicians for any inequalities for any individual or any group that's being marginalized also everyone we want to raise awareness for those individuals that are currently imprisoned for non-violent offenses in particular those with long-term sentences that are disproportionate in particular to those people in the black and brown community and i want to send a shout out to 40tons.co 40tons is a socially conscious cannabis brand and they're a social enterprise using the regulated cannabis industry to fight injustice in particular for cannabis prisoners so check them out again at 40 the number 4 the number 0 tons plural 40tons.co because what they're doing in the cannabis space and being a socially conscious company is truly incredible and uh, they have my full support and also wanted to remind all of you if you're having a tough time you can always call the suicide prevention lifeline and that number is 800-273-8255 that's 800-273-8255 and they are available 24/7 365 days a year you can also always check me out on twitter instagram and on tiktok at mike hootner thanks again to our amazing sponsors Breaking Tea, Sport RX, PSK Collective, City Lokes and Moolah Kicks, which you can see right here up on the screen. You can search them online at breakingtea.com, sportrx.com, pskcollective.com, moolahkicks.com and citylokes.com. And if you'd like to support us at the Sports Deli, we'd love to have you either make a one-time donation or Feel free to make a donation monthly, either ninety-nine cents a month, four ninety-nine a month, or nine ninety-nine a month. If you have uh, questions about that, send me an email again to thesportsdeli@gmail.com, and I will send you the link on how you can do that. Uh, you can also find it at the bottom of every podcast on Spotify or uh, Apple Podcasts. Link at the bottom to support the show. Please check out our website at thesportsdelipodcast.com. Make sure that we continue the conversations with regards to three strikes and you're out and mandatory minimums, especially people that are in jail for non-violent offenses. So those things need to change. And remember gents and ladies, please remember to do your monthly self-breast examinations. And remember guys, this afflicts about 1500 men annually. with about a third of those resulting in death. So we want to make sure that we do our monthly self-breast examinations both men and women. And guys, remember to do your self-testicular examinations every month as well. Until next time, remember it takes a village for Dr. J and Coach K. I'm Hooty Hoot. This has been a production of Hooty Hoot Productions. Thank you for joining us in the Sports Deli where everyone deserves a seat at the table. Remember it takes a village. Much love everybody.